welcome back to This Dirt Life. I hope this week is treating you well and you're getting into the swing of 2018. I'm still writing seven and having to convert it to an eight. I don't know when that will change, but hope some of you can relate to that. Uh, I have some exciting things coming up here in Las Vegas in the next few weeks. Uh, we've got a four-part series of women's clinics that I'm hosting at Las Vegas Cyclery off of Top Town Centre and 215. That's going to be starting February 1st. We'll have them at 5.30pm with the first one is a back to basics clinic. So we're going to talk about getting back into riding after the festive season, setting goals for 2018 and some gear essentials for the new year. Um, I'll have an event page up on Las Vegas Cyclery's Facebook page in the next few days, so go ahead and check that out. So for today's podcast, I caught up with Brooke Froelich, um, or I think now Brooke Murray. I think she recently was married, so congratulations on that. I didn't say that to her. <laughs> uh, Brooke is based out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and is an avid climber, mountain biker, skier, and an incredible mother. I met Brooke at the Specialized Ambassador Summit this past year, and knew instantly I just had to talk more with her. She's doing an amazing job of encouraging other women, and especially mothers, to get out and enjoy the outdoors with and without your kid. Um, she is a great inspiration to me. And honestly, she just gives me confidence that, you know, at some point I would like to become a mom. And um, and that's scary as an athlete, I feel like. And it's scary as someone who, you know, I've been very independent for a long time. And But she gives me the confidence that, you know what, life's not over. And I know that sounds kind of dramatic, but unfortunately, that's kind of still the narrative that we seem to have in... in um, in society um, so she's doing some great work um, you can follow Brooke's latest project growing a skier on YouTube the interview itself though came out so well I noticed that I dilly-dally a bit at times but so I apologize for that but I'm not gonna waste any more time so without further ado please welcome to this start life Brooke Hey Lisa. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Hopefully, it will be pretty quiet around here. So. Oh, you're good. I know. I think we'll be. Oh, I think we're both in our own music rooms. I'll have to. Uh, I'll you. <laughs> oh. Got these ones here. Nice. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> anyway, oh, first of all, awesome. happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> are you doing anything exciting today? Um. I had a phone call with Finland this morning, and then Pat made me an awesome breakfast, and then we're going to go skiing for you a couple a hours. a phone call with Finland? Yeah. What's that about? Are you going to uh, Finland? About, like, there's a clothing company. They make kind of hardcore outdoors clothes for kids, like really little kids. Cool. Because, you know, their, their kids have to be outside for, like, three to four hours a day. Yeah. So they really are supposed to stand up to the test. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to try it out and see yeah. if they work well. Because we kind of have a hard time with Huck, so. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, we're just going to go skiing and then go meet up with family for dinner Thanks. later tonight. So it'll be fun. Because you're based up in Park City, right? So um, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, so you're you're not, are you in the snow? Do you guys have snow in Salt Lake City just now? We do have a little bit, like not a ton, but our mountains, like we're going to go up to Alta. They've got some good snow. Yeah. So we're kind of on the fence. We were like, should we bring Huck? And it's like, no, I want to like <laughs> be able to like not 
Yeah. I want to not be a mom for a couple hours. Yeah. That sounds That's terrible allowed. to say. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank I wanted you. to um, catch up with you specifically because I feel like you have so many like interesting projects and stuff going on and you're very like you're such a great advocate for not only women who want to get outside but um especially mums who like want to get outside and have a life after having a kid as well I think I mean I'm just a dog mom but (laughs) like I feel that um I know with my sister Jessica she's like you know she's uh competes with horses and stuff and when Ooh. she was, um, she had her first baby in August this past year. Gosh, I hope it was August. I'm going to get a lot of that wrong. Um, but, you know, like, I remember leading up to it, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, you're going to sell your horse, right? And she's like, oh, gosh, no, why would I? Yeah. That's not how this happens. And so I think that, I think for so long, we were kind of, we had this narrative that, once a woman became a mom, like that was then her, that was then her only calling. Um, and I think you're yeah. doing such a great job of like showing us that's, that's really not the case. And that's, that's actually not healthy either. That's not what you should be. Yeah. You need to have that. So, um, Thanks. let's talk about that first, I guess. So, um, did you always know you wanted to be like an active mom or what was your preconceived ideas going into motherhood, I guess? Um, like I remember, so growing up, my mom really gave her life for her kids. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't work after she had us. Um, she was really selfless that way. And we got the new clothes, the new shoes, and she mm-hmm. didn't. And so I guess when I was younger, I just assumed I would be that kind of mom like her where, <laughs> um, yeah, I was really lucky to have that as a role model to have someone yeah. who was so selfless. And then I remember when I found out I was pregnant, there were like, happy tears yeah and then there were also some tears of like oh yeah things like yeah and I I actually had um a lot of my coworkers and friends would be like you know it's the same thing like your sister like yeah uh I hope you skied enough for a lifetime and I hope you biked enough for a lifetime right. you can kiss your climbing gear goodbye yeah and I remember uh, I was really nervous to tell some of the brands and sponsors I was working with that I was pregnant because it was just like I, I guess I didn't really think there was room for that kind of mom or that kind of, um, outdoor adventure. Yeah. And then it really became such a surprise to see how many people were really excited about the content. Um, excited to see me like, uh, my doctor, actually I had a great doctor who, um, every time I go in for my meet, my doctor's appointments, we talk about what trails we were riding. Um, he gave me a lot of guidance as far as what type of writing I could do or couldn't do. And then also what type of skiing I could do or couldn't do. Okay. So, um, I mean, I did like hiked up a big mountain and skied down it a week before I gave birth. Wow. Went for like a trail run on the snow the day I gave birth. Oh my um, gosh. So, I mean, I was really lucky to have, uh, some support out here as far as, as some information about what I could or couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and like another thing we talk about is like, so during that time, were you consciously aware of like, like, so for Jessica, I know that there was a point in the pregnancy. She was like, I, I can't ride anymore. Not because anyone's like told me I can like, like I don't have the balance and yeah. like I, my body, my center of gravity has changed so much that I'm not safe. I know I'm not yep. safe. So yeah. I think like it's important then to like 
you know, listening to your body is huge when it comes mm-hmm. to that as well. Like, did you, like, were you, were you able to kind of modify stuff as you went just based on that alone? Or- yeah, I think that's great. Cause like before that, um, I've never considered myself like a true competitive athlete. So I've never been that in tune with my body. So I've always just kind of like, it was not uncommon for me to pass out mountain biking. Cause I would yeah. just not have eaten enough or drink oh my enough. God. And did you like, pass out? Like pass out. I mean, I used to no. like really mo- like not eat much at all. Oh um, my goodness! And when I got pregnant, I really had to learn to pay attention to my heart rate. Like that was one thing my doctor talked about. Um, right. My hydration, my food, my body temperature, like overheating. Yeah. And I would say the same thing. I remember I was mountain biking in Bryce Canyon when I was about, um, I guess I was not quite thirty weeks pregnant, uh-huh. and, or not in Bryce Canyon, but on a fun trail just outside of it. That Thunder yeah. Mountain Trail, if you've read. Oh, it's so much fun! I so love fun. That trail. And I remember riding it where I was just like, "This is my last ride." Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember just having to get off and walk down switchbacks, yeah. some of those tight switchbacks, as I was yeah. nervous about tipping over with my yeah. balance. And that was the thing. I that was my last ride where wow. I just knew that. Yep. You know, it was getting to a point where I couldn't. Um, it just wasn't smart. <laughs> right. Yeah. You kind of just know you're like, I don't, I'm not in control at this point. And, and like, yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think that, um, I mean, it's great that that's how you were able to then become more in tune with your body and what it needs and stuff. And so do you feel you've been able to continue that like post-pregnancy then? Are you more cognizant? Yeah. Of it, or? it definitely top. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. It definitely taught me to do that. I don't uh, think I'm always the best at managing it. Yeah. But, um, oh, sorry. So I'm going to kick my... Mic you're fine. He's just getting loud. That's okay. Okay. I think they're quiet again. Okay. Um, it's definitely taught me to watch that and to keep watching that. So the type, the way I fuel, like eat and drink is totally different. Like I used to always care about my figure where now I care more about just, will I be able to be healthy and... um. Yeah. Especially taking when I take Puck up in the mountains with me, that's like a huge thing. Where it's like if I'm not healthy and taking care of myself, I'm not going to be able to take care of him. Right. Um, yeah. So definitely, it's totally changed my approach to life that way, and just yeah. the way I, I plan and perform. And yeah, um, yeah. So it sounds like you had some great experience though with sponsors, like coming and like you know with the pregnancy and coming into motherhood as well. Did you have any negative responses at all along the way? Or- oh, yeah. I mean, um there are definitely uh like some people that would be like you shouldn't be skiing when you're pregnant. And I mean, and I luckily like my doctor where we live in Salt Lake City, he works with a lot of athletes and he works with a lot of ski instructors cuz so many people in Salt Lake ski. Um where he gave me like a a set of parameters, you know, like yeah. I stayed out of the ski resorts. Yeah. I, skied stuff that was easy to get back to the car in the back country. So nothing too big or remote. Right. Um, and I really kind of had to learn to trust my own gut mm-hmm. where before I think I cared more about what people thought and use that as a kind of like a sounding board, like, Oh, I should or shouldn't do this. Um, <laughs> Huck is in the back. Um, my pregnancy really taught me to, to really learn to listen to my own gut and to mm-hmm. trust it, to consider what people say, right. but then to really trust my gut at the end of the day. And but did any, coming. did you lose any sponsors like through it? Or? Um, no, I mean, you I don't think there are de- names. No, there were definitely, um, I wouldn't say I lost any, but there were some relationships of brands I worked with that I just didn't make sense to work with anymore because, you know, uh, brands that were more about performance or like risk taking, you know, that kind of, 
um, really looked up to people doing risk-taking things. Like that's just not what I'm interested in doing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, not when I was pregnant and now that I have a son too, where it's like, I'd love to ski this, but if I don't make it down, like right. that would be so bad. Like that would yeah. not, not even worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so like you do so many things. So you ski, you rock climb, you mountain bike, you go on these hikes. Like what would you say is like your, your bread and butter? Like your, what's the thing that you feel most at home doing? Um, oh gosh, that's hard. I, I would say like part of what makes me feel the most alive and most excited is really finding a new destination and checking it out with Huck because I get to share that with him and it's really right. exciting to do that. But uh, as far as something that I just feel at home, I, I would say it would just be pedaling up a mountain. Like yeah. I'm not like a big athlete, but just getting on my bike and pedaling, there's just this thing that it kind of tunes me into to be really honest with myself and to listen yes. to myself and and to feel good too, yeah. you know, to just feel like I can do things that are challenging. Yeah. But, oh man, but winter's so great too. Like, skiing, yeah, like I know. The, something about hiking in the snow too, where it sparkles. Oh, I don't know. That's a hard one. We haven't, um, we haven't even been to the snow yet this year because there's really not been that much snow. And then I think this weekend, I think Brian Head got like a huge amount of snow. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like excited to hopefully, maybe like in the next. I would really, maybe next weekend it would be nice like to get up to Brian Head and yeah. get into the snow because we haven't done that this year at all and oh, I definitely miss it. Um, are, have you? Did you grow up in Salt Lake City then? Yep. I yeah, did. born and raised. So you've yep. always been like around. That's, that's such a cool climate as well. So like in the summertime you've got you you can be outside all the time and then yeah. in the winter I guess it's like not as harsh as like you know some of these places where you know, they're getting panned with snow and you can't do anything at all. Like yeah, you can, yeah. um, you can like still get around in Salt Lake City, but then you can go up to the mountain and then come back to yeah. minimal snow, right? Is that right? Yeah, and it's like pretty great. Like honestly, in the valleys of Salt Lake City, it's not that hard to find some trails that are dry. Oh, wow. To ride. Like you can go out to Antelope Island and you can ride there almost year round. I mean, right. but I, honestly, like growing up, I wasn't really that outdoorsy. And really? I did not at all. Like I... um. I mean, you know, getting outside is pretty expensive. And so we might ski as a family once or twice a year. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, it's just so, ex it's expensive and hard. And I was really into violin and piano. So those were kind of my like sports of passion when I was younger. Okay. Okay. And it wasn't really until I was, until after college that I started to mountain bike or. Wow. Um, like I loved going to the climbing gym, but I never climbed outside until. Right. I was probably almost 25. I mean. Wow. Maybe a little, maybe 23. I don't know. So, I mean, it's never too late to start. Like, I, I think sometimes people think just because they didn't grow up somewhere outdoorsy yeah. that, like, maybe that's just not an opportunity that's there for them. But I don't know. I think anyone can do it. Like, it can be there for anyone. And I love, like, I get such a high from going to the ski resort and seeing mm -hmm. people that are, like, in their 50s taking a ski class. Like, right. I think that's so cool. It really is. It's and so that's, um, so I feel that do you, I think it's interesting then that you had such a strong root in music and stuff then growing up because the creativity from that. And then I think that translates a lot to your creativity in like exploring new places and like the mountain biking, the outdoor stuff. Like I think there, I mean, music is such a huge part of my life and 
my boyfriend's life and my family, like both my parents were musicians growing up. And, awesome. and so I, but I do, I do relate a lot of that to like nature as well. Yeah. Um, do you still play piano or violin? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, piano in the background. So yeah. And I actually just hung my violin up like a couple months ago. Cause it okay. was like, um, I would say that music was such a huge part of me growing up. And then after college, I just got really burnt out of it. And so I quit playing for a long time. And um, I, I was kind of in this depressed part of life where I, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Like I just felt like I kind of lost, lost that sparkle or kind yeah. of lost um, searching for what made me happy, I guess. And yeah, it was kind of interesting just the past few years of my life to get back into music again and, um, I don't know. I feel like you're right. There's something really similar about music and the outdoors and maybe part of it is just really tuning into that, that soulful side of us, like that part of our spirits that just loves joy and expression. And right. I think maybe, there is maybe changing the purpose of it as well. Like if you've done something, you know, your whole life because of, um, like, because, you know, you had to do it for school or, you know, working towards like scholarships. I, I like, I see a lot of kids these days who like, whose parents are so, um, like there's a lot of pressure put on like performance yeah. and sport. So like yeah. to help them with like scholarships for university and don't like, I totally get it. I mean, the cost yeah. of university and stuff is, is so expensive, but, but then I think it takes away from that passion or that, that just, the um the innocence I guess of sports and music or, or like being yeah. outdoors and so I definitely think that um because I you know growing up we uh, we went to like piano we had piano lessons and cool. played different <laughs> all that kind of different stuff and but it was like more like you know I don't know it's different now as an adult I guess because I just go and play piano to play piano you know, yeah. it's for anyone else but me. And I'm yeah. not up to like impress a teacher or do an exam or anything like that. It's just, you can just go and play piano for five minutes for two hours. And then, but, it, but it's, 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 it's the, the purpose has changed. It's for you. And did you start racing? What you, if I remember you did, you haven't been mountain bike racing for that long, right? No. So I, I am, um, when I moved, I had a crazy I've done so many sports, I feel like. So growing up, I swam competitively, like, in my early teenage years. Um, but I also was a dancer, like, from oh, cool. three to, like, 16. Nice. And at the same time, that I was I was still doing ballet, and I also was doing boxing. So I was a boxer <laughs> and a ballerina. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. For, like, a couple of years. And then, and then I kind of stopped everything and... Um, you know, I was in, uh, um, I was like, I was in an, uh, a bit like an unhealthy relationship as well, where the, my, um, where I was kind of ridiculed for wanting to go out and run or ridiculed for going to try and like do stuff, something for me. And like, you yeah. know, what's the point in that? Like just kind of, and so I kind of like got away from everything for a couple of years. And then I was working in a gym and started running and I, I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. couldn't run for 10 minutes, like nonstop. Yeah. That was my goal. That was my initial yeah. goal was to try and run for 10 minutes without stopping. That's awesome. 
And, you know, I, but I worked on it and I worked on it. And, and then I found the sport of triathlon. It was, it was quite a tight knit community back in Scotland and the races were all really very gritty Scottish yeah. races on, oh, gosh. you know, in freezing lochs or, and <laughs> yeah. um, some of them were in, just in swimming pools because there just simply wasn't anywhere outdoors to swim. <laughs> yeah. And then, and so I did that for a long time. And that's what I was doing when I moved to the States. And I just, that's right. Yeah. But then just a couple of years ago, then, then I found, but I think my purpose was still like, I, I don't know. I don't, my purpose was always a little hazy. And then when I found mountain biking a couple of years ago, it kind of just brought the two together, brought my love yeah. for competitiveness and endurance sports and really challenging and pushing myself, but also being in this adventurous outdoor environment where I could yeah. go and be on trails and be yeah. in nature and like, I can go and do a really hard mountain bike ride or I can just go and have like a soul reset ride, you mm -hmm. know, like I think, I think it serves both purposes still. So, yeah. um, and I love that. I mean, cause I think a lot of people think that, um, you know, like, like you're kind of talking about with the ridicule, like even if people don't intentionally mean to beat you down. Oh yeah. I, I think it can be really hard as a woman and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's for men too to really feel like it's okay to just do something for the hell of it and like to push ourselves, you know, yeah. even though it's like, why do I care about running for 10 minutes? I don't right. care about running a marathon. I mean, right. I think, I think that there's something about that mindset to celebrate, to just be like, yeah. you know, I might be really bad. I'm probably right. the slowest person here in the gym. Right. I'm probably the weakest person lifting. I'm the slowest right. person on the trail but just going because you're seeing improvement in yourself or because mm -hmm. you feel happy doing it. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. That's definitely for, for me anyway, I know the exercise definitely, um, definitely keeps me level headed. Like I can see, I can see where when I, if I don't exercise for whatever reason, like if I haven't been training, um, I know that my, like my mental balance kind of gets out of whack and I, yeah. and I, so as much as like training and stuff is, you know, now I'm, I, I race like professionally cross country. I mean, so it's, it's a serious yeah. level. So I have to train, Yeah. but yeah, it's also on a personal level. So important to me as well. Mm -hmm. that I'm outdoor and I'm, I'm still training and stuff like that also. Yeah. So, um, so how did you get into mountain biking? Is it just, was it just situational? Like just being in Salt Lake City and surrounded by so many people yeah. there or, so I was, uh, I was climbing in the climbing gym. Mm -hmm. Um, it was after college. It was like kind of the first time that I had felt like alive in a couple years where I was just like, I feel happy and I feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still kind of like shy and definitely pretty insecure, but I met a couple women that I started climbing with in the gym and like it was, um, you know, they really kind of helped me find myself in a way. And we started climbing outside together and one of my girlfriends um, invited me to go mountain biking with her and was talking about it. And I remember I was just like, this is not for me. I hate bleeding. I hate <laughs> falling. Like, I like, um, this is not the sport for me. And mm -hmm. uh, that first year was really hard for me because I was like bleeding and falling every time and trying trails that were too hard, riding clipless, like using a bike that was too big for me. I mean, it was, oh, gosh. I, it wasn't really love at first sight for me for mountain biking, but I remember it was about a year, like the next season mm -hmm. that I started to go on rides by myself mm -hmm. when it like clicked. Cause I think a lot of the sports I had done, um, 
you had to do with someone like climbing, you need a partner. Right. But it was really that kind of what you're talking about. It was like that first time that I really felt like I was doing something for me. Yeah. And doing something that was like hard, you know, like even something about researching a trail online and being like, I don't know if I can find the trailhead and it might be like, yeah too hard and this loop is seven miles I'm yeah like, oh, like I'm gonna be away from the car um but doing it and proving that I could yeah that I really started to feel a high and I was in a really bad relationship and um I think that was kind of the first time in my life that I really felt independent and, and strong I felt like strongly independent mm-hmm. and I really felt like I could believe in myself and believe in my abilities which yeah sounds like a poster, you know, believe in yourself, but, um, but it's really true. It, it kind of proved to me that I could believe in my own abilities and yeah. in my wits and my brain and my strength and get out there and make it home in time and have a really fun time. Like yeah. it, was just, it was like a high feeling to just pedal in the trees and right. Yeah. That's cool. I think that there's, um, I often, I, I often like wonder about that, like what are our turning points, like for various situations or, you know, when we get feel like we're like stuck in these ruts. I don't think that, um, I think when we're stuck in, in maybe bad situations or just in like a lull um, or a bit of a funk. And I think at the time when you're going through it, like it's not really clear how you get out of it, but usually there is like a, there's a defining moment and then you're like, no, I can do this. This is it. And you yeah. feel that spark. And so it's nice to be able to, um, to kind of promote that then as well. And so for, um, so your, your main jobs, I guess, you're a social media influencer mm-hmm. and you work in a genetic researching lab, right? Yep. Yep. That's super cool. Yeah, Tell us about that. <laughs> um, so that was my degree. My, what I studied in school was neuroscience and I loved it. I love the hands-on stuff. I do a lot of molecular biology, so a lot of cloning. So it's kind of looking at chunks of DNA and stitching them together and then making transgenic fish lines. So maybe fish that have cells that glow red in the eye or different parts of the body. Um, So they're they're kind of used for tools for research. And I loved it. And I always thought I'd go to grad school. Uh And then after a year probably like six months of working, it just kind of hit me that that wasn't my passion. It was like, I love doing it. Right. Um, but I would hear people be excited to like talk about articles they read. And I realized like, this isn't me. Like I love doing the work. I love the hands-on yeah, hands-on stuff, but I don't have that same passion as everybody else to, um, the other, my other coworkers that were like, did you see what was published last night? You know, like I just, right. In my time off of work, I wasn't reading science papers. No. And I think, um, you know, I had just gotten in this track where I was like, this is what I'm studying in school. This is what my career will be Mm -hmm. that I hadn't really thought outside of the box. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a self-esteem hit to be like, I'm doing something that I'm never really going to be like, like truly great at, you know, like I, I'm good at it and I like doing what I do, but I was never going to be like making, um, it just, I I just never felt like I was really going to do something that was going to change the world or like right. um, a, a passion for me. Yeah. But I love it and I still do it. And it's, yeah. it's probably my favorite day of the week is the week, I, the day I work in the lab. But yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. So um, oh, I'm getting stuck on my, I'm getting all hung up on my questions now. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So work in the air and then so you work with specialized as well 
Uh-huh. And so are you, um, do you have any projects with them coming up? Um, so some of the work we're doing with Specialized is actually one of my good friends started this mountain biking club in Salt Lake City that I help lead rides with and stuff called Women Mountain Biking. And what I love about it Hi. is if we have a, a women's mountain biking club in Salt Lake, mm -hmm. um, and it, we have a lot of group rides, and I know you see this with your group rides. Mm -hmm. It's something that's really exciting to me. I lead the beginner rides. So um, I love seeing, like, the beginners come out on the trail and watching them progress through the season. Yeah. Because my first, like we were talking about, like, my first rides were not great. Yeah. So I love, like, helping women find, like, the right trail, the right tweaks on their bike, yeah. um, you know, and making it feel really accessible. Yeah. Just, so how can people find this group, like, online and stuff? So if you look, if you're in Salt Lake City or Utah, like, northern Utah, it's called Women MTB. Okay. And we work with um, a local bike shop called Bingham Cyclery. And the owner is a woman, and, like, her big passion is really helping women fall in love with biking and make mm -hmm. it feel accessible. And I don't know. I think that's um, it's really exciting to be a part of. Yeah. I remember we were both at the – as at the specialized camp and we were talking about um kits for like yeah. female mountain bikers and stuff and that's something that yeah. um it's funny because I know I know even in town like um you know people because I'm always wearing like you know what people would say like a roadie kit or whatever like I'm always wearing right. my just like a regular cycling kit so regular light run yeah. and yeah for sure like there's certain trails that I'll maybe want to be a bit more protected on so like I might wear um, either baggy shorts over the top or um, or just like the knee pads and stuff. Yeah. For the yeah. most part, I'm in like a lycra kit because, you know, that's what serves you. That's yeah, and it's it's it serves me and it's but it's also comfortable for me. Yeah. And I don't feel that um, women should feel pressured to look a certain way to be a mountain biker. Yeah. Like yeah. I think that there's this preconceived. Um, notion that to be a female mountain biker you need to kind of you need to be one of the boys like yeah, you need one yeah. of the boys and you need to wear baggy stuff and you know that's just not the case at all yeah. um and sure there are like there are girls who who will want to wear that stuff and like mm -hmm. and that's that's totally do it. fine because you want to them. do it yeah yeah like do it but I think that um I think women coming into it um Cause I've had comments on like on the trails or like, really? like oh yeah, like there's oh, been a gosh. couple guys and they'll like, you know, maybe like make fun. They're like, well, who's this girl? You know, she's obviously yeah. in the wrong place. You know, oh, she's gosh. having her roadie kit and like she's yeah. this trail and then, and then you might like, you know, smoke them down that section or yeah, yeah. like, you know, or they get caught up on something and you have to ride by them and be like, Hey, have a good ride or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but it's just, I think, um, what do you think are other hurdles that, that women face, like, entering some of these more, like, adventure-type sports? Like, mm -hmm. like, the climbing, the mountain biking, and, and really just, like, any kind of outdoor adventure stuff. I mean, I feel like, you know, you kind of hit it on the head when you said a lot of women think, like, this just isn't for me. Like, I'm just not that girl. Like, you look at, you know, you might look at you know, I don't know, like the professional climbers, like Sasha or some of these super inspirational women. And mm -hmm. you're like, I don't have six pack. Like right. I'm not a climber. Or like right. you said, I personally don't like the way I look in baggies. Yeah. So I never wear them on the trail. But if I thought I had to look like that downhill girl, right, I would not want to do that. Cause I would just feel like not, 
because of the clothes, but because I don't identify with that. Right. And so I think part of just seeing that there isn't a mold, you Mm -hmm. know, um, that you can come into these sports and approach them with, with you and what, what you have and, um, really grow with it. I think that's a, a hurdle we have because I think a lot of times society tells us like, this is the type of person that does this. And if yeah. you are that type of person, you can do this where really like, I feel like adventure sports are for everybody and mm-hmm. mountain biking is for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's not a woman in the world that I, even my mom, like we can go ride a fire road on a bike and yeah. Capris and a helmet and yeah. have a, you know, a beautiful time. And, um, you know, like kind of you're saying there are those moments where you have you're next to people that might judge you. But one thing I love about biking or, you know, skinning up a track in the mountains is that there's so much of the time that it's just you in the trail, like right. it's you and your bike or you yeah. and your skis and your breathing and the headspace, like all, all of that is just your head and your being in the moment. And yeah. it kind of takes you away from competing on a track or, right. you know, you can look, I look like a beater most of the time in the back country. Like I, yeah. <laughs> you know, have my tank top on, yeah. and like my old ski pants. And if yeah. anyone were to see me, they, I'd look like a junk show, but I don't <laughs> feel that way. Like I feel, right. I feel like the very best version of myself. Right. Um, do you feel like you've always been confident to, to do that? Like, I know, I don't, I think I'm just, just in the last like couple of years feeling confident to just wear what I want to wear on the trail. Yeah. And a lot of the time, like if people see me out on the trails here, like a lot of the time I have like ridiculous kind of kits on. Yeah. No, Um, I didn't always feel confident doing that. I mean, I think um, like a lot of the outdoor adventure sports really kind of helped me encounter that like insecurity that I maybe had, you know, in high school about trying to fit in or Mm -hmm. college. Like I went to a very uh, conservative religious university and I didn't really fit in there. And I think um, a lot of these things really kind of helped me deal with feeling out of place and mm-hmm. just feeling like, um, you know, as humans, like we can, the best version of ourselves isn't really a mold of anybody else. Like being the most true and best and successful and fulfilled version of ourselves, there's really nothing to compare. You right. can't compare to anybody. Like it, you're making that plan up. And Yeah. I think that's something that I, I have like, I'm the oldest of four siblings and I have four younger cousins as well. And, and talking with them all, I, I can see now having gone through my whole twenties and seeing them at various stations stages in their twenties. I think that, I think that's something that we kind of learn with age and experience and time is like being okay. It's okay to be it's kind of letting go of those, all those preconceived mm-hmm. um, beliefs of self-confidence and self-esteem that I feel like is really quite deeply rooted in like your teenage years. Yeah. Like I know even like as a, in my early twenties, I felt like so like I had to prove, prove myself to, to fit in, in certain yeah. places and stuff. And, and I remember that being really important that I, that I did that for, and I felt that that was really important for work, for, sports for friends and and you know I don't feel like like looking back I don't feel like it got me anywhere because because ultimately at the end of the day then I wasn't truly me and then I think people will always eventually figure that out you know and then yeah, you end yeah. up in a place where you're not true to to who you are and so it's definitely but but trying to explain that and um trying to explain that to to like 
I mean, it's always difficult explaining that to like family or sibling, you know, younger siblings yeah. and stuff who yeah. just want to figure it out for themselves, and that's good. But I just wonder if there's like a uh, a better way that we can kind of model that to to like our to this next generation who's coming up through that through those years, like so they don't have to go through. I don't know maybe they maybe that's just an important part though as well like to go through that struggle you know like well, I don't know I think, you know like I, I mean not to just keep on talking about specialized I guess it's like our connection to each other so yeah. that's easy to talk about but I love seeing the programs they have for kids like the Lubellas yeah. or the kids in school because I really feel like there's a lot of these lessons that you really can learn on your own whether it's on a bike or on the trail and I think mm-hmm. you know for me that was kind of what helped me encounter that but when I see like, um, you know, a group of girls pedaling up the mountain that are in their teens with one of their dads, you know, yeah. I, I love it. Cause you know, that when they're riding on the downhill, they're not thinking about anybody but themselves. Like right. when they're going over rocks and roots, yeah. they're just thinking about their own, like where their center of mass is and where their yeah. position over the handlebar is and they're lying down the mountain. Like you're not thinking yeah. about anything but your path and right. I feel like, you know, these outdoor sports can be such good vectors and such good teachers for us to learn. Yeah. So just by, um, so I guess just by like, by encouraging everyone to kind of get out and do these kind of things, it's really like all we can do to kind of help with that. I think so. I think it's a big way to help. I mean, I think, you know, we're a lot of us more and more having these conversations about like, like you're saying, it's okay to be different. It's great to be different. Yeah. If you're not different, what are you really contributing to the table? Like, you're not bringing right. anything to the table unless you have a unique perspective to a challenge yeah. or yeah. a solution. Yeah. Um, I, I love, you know, these conversations that we're having for women specifically, but I think they're such good role models for our youth. Um, yeah. In the next Which generation. is a good um, segue onto your latest project, the Growing a Skier. Yeah, that I loved it. So <laughs> I um I I shared this on my Facebook page recently, but um I mean you can ex- you can describe the project as well, but it's just so Huck's laugh in that video is the yeah. most adorable thing. So, yeah. so go ahead and just tell us a bit more about this project that you've got. Okay, so this project I'm working on with Ski Utah is called Grow a Skier and um growing a skier and. The big thing I'm wanting to show is just how to get your family on the mountain together, what that looks like, and to make it feel easy and accessible. Mm Because like I said, I didn't really grow up as a ski family. And a lot of that was because, you know, my dad was working a lot and money. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know, as kids, we probably just didn't seem all that interested in it. Like it was Mm -hmm. probably a big pain in the ass to take three kids up the mountain when, you know, who knows how, I don't know what it looked like to my parents, but um, we were probably really hard for them yeah (laughs) but um I'm really wanting to show how to do that and so with Huck um last year we took him out on skis and to be honest he didn't love it like he loved playing doing snowman and snow angels and that was one thing my husband and I have kind of made a pact and talked about with each other is that we were never going to push it on Huck right because we have seen so many you know he grew up ski racing and so he has seen a lot of kids who got burned out um yeah he hated it you know we want this to be something he loved and so One message we always want to hit home in our content is, you know, what a successful day on your mountain will look like, will look different for every family. Like it might mean that you're skiing. It might mean that like you're sitting in the fire, in front of the fireplace in the lodge together doing the puzzle. Like, um, I really just want to encourage more families to get out in the wintertime and to spend time together 
you know, just in the mountains, just yeah. like together in the mountains, bonding and enjoying themselves. And I think that like the little things you say in the video as well, like the way you say it, I think um, like the hot cocoa breaks and, and things like that. I think it was really important actually putting all that stuff in because you normalized it. Like you weren't yeah. saying like, oh, this is something that you might want to do to help things out. Like, no, this is going to be no. a part of your day. <laughs> yeah. These are like essential things that you need to be mindful yeah. of. And, and, and I was thinking actually, even for me, I'm like, I feel like I need a hot cocoa break. And like, you know, when you're like mid afternoon, oh. you've been like out, like on the sea yeah. all day and you're cold and you're tired and you just get that hot coke and you're like yeah, yeah okay one more run yeah although you never get one more run but <laughs> no yeah uh, like but it's more just, you can do more yeah but it's yeah. just um i think it's i think the little you know because I, I i'm sure like especially like people are definitely more health conscious these days about like what they're, you know, feeding their families, what they're feeding their children. Yeah. And I think by just like, you know, saying to them, you know what, it's all right. Like a day on the mountain is going to be energy demanding. It's going to yeah. be time consuming. Yeah. They're going to be cold. They're going to be putting a lot of energy into it. And it's yeah. okay to like have these, um, have these like breaks in between. And, um, and also like you said about like increasing your fitness as well, like just oh, yeah. run beside him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I know that, that's one thing I keep on, I keep on remembering and learning. It's like, if I want to have a happy and successful family in the mountains, like mm. I have to be happy and healthy. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a mom putting her kids in daycare for two hours to go mountain biking yeah. is important for the whole family. Like yeah. it's, you right. know, finding that place where you're mentally and emotionally fit is everything. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and the the narrative I hope is is increasing that that's um that that is the case like um I can't even remember who I was talking to about this but but that's exactly like if you want to show up for for your family like you have to take that time for you because otherwise then you're just you're just you just slowly lose little by little of who you are and yeah. although I mean like I don't have this personal experience in that I am a mother, but I've, I've heard it from fa friends and family where, um, you know, they've, they've maybe come to this realization, um, the hard way perhaps. And I think yeah, that it's, yeah. it's good to like change that narrative. It's good as well. We're seeing a lot more like female athletes who are embracing motherhood, but also um, embracing the fact that they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. We're seeing, Gwen Jorgensen, who is like, um, you know, she was Olympic champion, world champion, just phenomenal yeah. triathlete. And now yeah. she's had a baby and now she's actually got Olympic marathon running yeah. in her sights now. <laughs> uh, and then we've got like um, uh, Rose Grant, who uh, is a mountain bike biker for the pivot team. But I know that she she found out she was pregnant like I think right as she got brought onto the pivot team and she I remember reading a story about her that she was nervous about what they were going to say and they were like yeah no like we'll support you and now she's I mean she's mountain bike marathon national champion yeah. and you know so I think we're slowly starting to change the narrative but I think unfortunately like these are still somewhat like um, they're not mainstream sports so we're not like seeing this you know like people aren't turning on their television to watch um like a bike. ESPN yeah. and the yeah. the marathon is on there or yeah. the, 
or whatever you know um, yeah so I think it's still I think there's still some work to do but I think people like you are really you are such a phenomenal like social media presence that well, having that really helps to like distribute that message yeah yeah women are strong I mean people would say in the past about being pregnant like it's a condition or like right. a predicament and I'm yeah. just really interesting research that's done about how your hormones during pregnancy can give you like this extra adrenaline or energy and I feel like you know being pregnant and then having my son has brought out these other sites like I can pull all night all-nighters now that's something I couldn't barely do in college like you have yeah. this almost super power strength at times that um, right. comes out and at the same time I mean I've really learned it's important to be gentle with myself and my mm -hmm. son and mm -hmm. Not to think that I have to be a superwoman all the time, but to say, right. you know, oh, it's two o'clock and I haven't showered yet, yeah. but I did get some work done and yeah. I'm a kick-ass mom today. I've been a super cool mom today. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I think it's a, it's a balance of both. Learning to be, you know, forgive yourself and be patient with yourself and, you know, really remember at the end of the day, like you want to perform well and do well but it's more important that you're a great mom and you're a great human that you mm -hmm. feel happy with who you are and your your children are happy you know absolutely amen to that <laughs> <laughs> well i wanted to talk to you about one more thing before we before we wrap things up and that was um your breath and mindfulness so um First of all, do you do you do yoga or meditation? Or um, that? a little bit. Like I've just started meditating a little bit more a couple, like just a couple weeks ago, um, from a, a book I was reading. But, um, you know, I haven't really practiced yoga since I was pregnant. Yeah, just, I, I guess it was kind of taking that time out of the day. There was always something else I wanted. I would right. rather go mountain biking than do yoga. If I yeah, had yeah. an hour. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the reason I'm asking about that is, um, we talked about like. How important your breath is and I really like what you said there and I think um you talked about how you know your you like climbing specifically taught you how oh, your yeah. breathing can hurt or help you yeah and yeah. and I think that's like a huge part of you know essentially that's a huge part of what yoga and meditation is about is being mindful of the breath and mindful of the power of the breath and how that affects um your your mental um, and physical well-being um, mm -hmm. and you'd said you know like when you breathe more deeply and steadily that you feel you can feel yourself like physically relaxed loosen up yeah. yeah and so I think um is that something that you practice um I guess then is that something you're looking to practice more of outside of sports or you think that that's yeah that sports is really just like that's your that's your meditation um, I mean, I, I am actually, so I, you know, I've just read a great book that was kind of talking more about, um, meditation and I think, you know, put success coming from positive thinking and visual visualization. What was the and book? It was, have you read the universe has your back? No. By Gabby Bernstein. Okay. It's That's a good one. You'll have to check yeah. it out. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I will say the same thing at home that I noticed with being a parent, like if I've had too much coffee and I'm just like, you know, tensed up and on edge and, you know, checking things off my list, but I feel all knotted up and on edge when I do calm down and breathe yeah, and kind of let things go, yeah. you know, the important stuff gets done. The important yeah. things get done. 
and um, things just flow more smoothly. And mm-hmm. so I think taking that out of sports and translating that into my home life, I definitely make a big notice a big difference when I, yeah. you know, try to stabilize my breathing and try to, you know, feel my shoulders loosen up and feel my throat loosen up, um, my jaw, you know, just feeling those things. I definitely approach my to-do list and my mother, you know, being a mother mm-hmm. um, more successfully. I think that's, that's awesome that it's, beca- that it's kind of like happened more like organically, like for you as well. Like I don't feel like I'm, I'm by no means a religious um, meditator or, um, you know, I'm just trying to get back into going to yoga, like just once a nice. week. And yeah, yeah. That I've talked about with them, I know like my training partner, Jake, and I have talked about this, that like sometimes for us just being on the trails or meditation, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, you're out Definitely. there, you have to, you just let everything else go and you, you, you yeah. can focus on your breath or you can just focus on absolutely nothing. And mm-hmm. there sometimes is this like weird, you know, cause you should, you think that you have to be paying, like, you know, you have to be like paying attention. I guess you're, you are still in the moment, but sometimes you just get these like, just like runs or um sections where you might finish it and you're just like wow I did that without even like being aware of it like I was so in tune with what was going on that I was able to just execute this and and move on from it so yeah I love that but we'll have to check that book out for sure yeah it's a good one it's a good one (laughs) so I know that you have said you're not competitive athlete and you've never been one for like big performances and things but I know that you said you kind of wanted to change it this year. Do you have any specific yeah. goals or races that um, you might, you're thinking about? Or There are a couple races I'm looking at. I was mm-hmm. at one of the Women Mountain Biking Club meetings. Okay. Um, but we have these, like, awesome, you know, women's ladies' nights and meetings. And um, I was just kind of chatting with a new friend mm-hmm. who's a coach, and she was in a personal trainer, and she was like, I'd love to, like, collaborate on something, and I, at first, was just like, well, you don't think you know who I am, like, I'm yeah. slow, like, I, you know, I love to just um, go out, I, I use the words, I'm not an athlete, but I am athletic, Right. and it was kind of interesting talking to her, because she's, um, she also does some sports psychology, and she's like, ooh, like, that kind of language can really hold you back, like, you don't have to be competing and be number one, but that doesn't mean that you can't make physical goals right and go towards them and so um so I've got after, when I get home in February I've got a couple trips coming up the next few weeks but when I get home in February we're, I'm going to start working with her a little bit on some training and nice you know like I said I'm not I'm not expecting to win first at anything or really trying to but I'm really looking forward to setting some physical goals and yeah. working towards them because I've gotten used to my fitness my outdoor activity is born more for like mental emotional and Mm-hmm. you know, an, a workout. It hasn't mm-hmm. really been after a goal. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to try to set like a goal. Yeah. And I think it's important. I Like, you know, everyone, I think people sometimes go into like events or racing with them. You know, maybe their mindset is like, they're just shooting for that podium finish or, or maybe they yeah. don't really know what to expect from a race. You know, if, yeah. they, if they do a race and they're like middle of the pack or back of the pack, do they feel like they failed? Like, and, and I think that it's important to, to kind of identify that, um, you know, everyone has, like, it's interesting you said, you know, you're not an athlete, but you're athletic. 
Mm-hmm. Like, so then it's like, then we come down to like a much bigger conversation. Like, well, what defines being an athlete? Yeah. You know? Like what yeah. makes an athlete? Yeah. I would like absolutely say that you're an athlete, but yeah. I think that um, our goals like have to be, um, I mean, even for me, like I am by no means uh, front of the pack pro mountain biker. Like I'm just, I've just started this sport. I'm so new to yeah. this sport and there's so many stronger um more experienced athletes that, that I'm surrounded by, but by um, changing my mindset and changing my goal, um, I can still stay motivated and not be disheartened. Like if I have, maybe I, I could have, I could be, I could finish maybe second to last, but if I've hit all yeah, my yeah. goals for that race, then I can still stay, you know, I've still achieved what I set out to achieve. And that might sound like, you know, oh, maybe I'm setting it too low, but like, but you just have to stay, you have to, kind of just have to stay motivated and not be unrealistic in your expectations of what eventing or racing yeah. is to you. And, and that's so different for everyone. I think that's another reason why perhaps like we don't see, like there is still such a discrepancy between like female athletes in, in, in racing and, and male athletes. I mean, it's rare that you'd even see like 25% women to yeah, 75% men, you know, yeah. like often it's even less than that. So yeah. I think, you know, just, you know, just getting people out there and competing in events gives you uh, a personal goal for the next time. Or, well, yeah. I, I felt really comfortable racing up until about an hour into it. And then I felt tired. Like I want to be able to get to, 115 and then I feel tired you know like so setting those like um endurance goals or speed goals or or whatever it is and so you know what I think it kind of you know this part just kind of ties back to what you were saying earlier about um just feeling like it was okay to make a goal like Mm -hmm. you were kind of saying that like you know you'd had people be like why are you who are you doing this for like why are you doing this and I think there's this thing in our spirits and personalities where maybe we feel kind of um, discouraged or insecure about that. But mm-hmm. I think there is something about, you know, being willing to sign up for a race or an event and just feeling like, Hey, I belong at the table too. And right. I am setting this goal. I'm, I don't know who I'm doing it for. I, I'm not having a list of sponsors on my Jersey. I'm just trying to finish this race and I'm right. trying to do five minutes better than last time. Do as well as I, you yep. know, I, yep. I think there's something about, um, feeling and taking some ownership and feeling like we have that same opportunity and entitlement and belonging um, and setting those goals because we just, we all deserve to kind of to sit at that table and we all deserve to make a goal for ourselves and to work on it. Even if no one's watching or even if we're not doing great, like right. <laughs> we belong too. So absolutely. Man. So inspired now. I'm gonna go sign oh, up for every too. single race. Oh, I feel stoked after talking to you. I wish you lived a little closer. <laughs> I know. Well, I think we'll be coming out to Park City. I think soon for. Um, I think we're planning to come up to Park City for snowboarding. So cool. So maybe when we come up, we should uh, yeah, get some coffee absolutely. together or something. Absolutely, we should. Well, That'd I'll let you great. go for now. I know you've got Bye. a busy day and have a wonderful birthday. <laughs> and um, let's stay in touch. Okay. Okay, thanks, Lisa. Sounds good. Sounds good. Talk soon. soon. Bye. Bye.
Thanks again to Brooke for coming on the podcast and thank you guys for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, You can also follow us and get some more information and background info on the Fuel Talk website. Uh, We'll be back next Thursday with another fun-filled podcast and hopefully I will be able to reveal a massive project that I'm working on and super stoked to announce. But I'm trying to get a couple more details in place. But stay tuned for next week because you're going to want to hear about it. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, have fun. We got some rain here in Las Vegas. So get out and enjoy that hero dirt if you're out here. Uh, In the meantime, stay dirty, my friends.